Welcome to Jim's Podcast. Hey, in this joint, I'm the president, the vice president, and the congress. And you're just another listener. A loyal one. You think that's why they like it here? Because you treat them like regular people? Maybe. Mostly it's the fucking podcast, though. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're covering Season 2, Episode 7, Chapter 20, House of Cards. We have a lot of stuff going on this episode once again. No surprise in House of Cards now. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Which one of these storylines is most interesting? Uh, I don't know. It's most interesting. Let's go with Doug. Okay. St- which part of Doug? Because he's obviously got something for Rachel. Um, why do you but think he's that? out doing Frank's duty as well. Uh, why do I think that? Yeah. Uh, well, I I'm think joking. Come okay. on. Okay. <laughs> uh, so. Doug is assigned to go out at a, a, a casino mm-hmm. um, because they find out that there is a connection between uh, Trask and this... No, Tusk. <laughs> God damn it, I want to say Trask. Like, uh, a uh, connection between Tusk and uh, this guy that owns him in the casino, which is his name's uh, Lanigan. Yeah. Uh, out in St. Louis. Or they suspect that's the, the, the relationship. And also, this Lanigan guy has been a faithful Democratic supporter. that's sent them money. And we've, we opened up with an episode where there's a super PAC political action committee that's dumped $25 million into an issue-based ad campaign for the midterms. That means it doesn't attack yeah. any one person. This is designed to go national and just basically say, this side's doing a shitty job leading. Yep. We need change. And I thought it was really cool to open the episode up that way. It just felt a little different, you know? Right. I guess it did name names because it, it put sure. Jackie and Frank there at the beginning. Yeah, but it, it does name names, but it's more generalized anti-Democrat campaign there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, our first thought is like, f- fuck, Tusk is behind this. Sure. Yeah. But on second thought, I think that it might not be that easy to suspect that, sure, he's mad, but why would he want to... You know, he's still got the president and more on his side than a theoretical other president who's not going to be in office for another two-plus years. True. So I don't think people would suspect that he would actually work to to further weaken him. I don't know because the the idea that uh, Frank placed in Tusk's head at the end of last episode was, look, I've got more say here now than you do. Maybe Tusk just decides he's got the president's ear and I want him gone, regardless of whether that means I no longer have the president's well, ear I think because like, he's actively working against him. Like Frank said, he's trying to muscle his way back to the table. Sure, yeah. Um, by saying that, you know, you can't fucking shut me out. Well, so Doug's going to have to go to the casino and just basically hang out mm. and be conspicuous. Um, and then he meets a cocktail waitress. Uh, this gorgeous Amazon of a woman who takes him to bed, finds out that uh, they bond over the fact that they're both uh, veterans of the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous program. She, a one-year vet, he's got 15 years now. Yep, um, gives her his useless 10-year chip. Now yeah, he's got his I've got five more years. I've got, <laughs> you know, 15 of these. Here, take one. Um, anyway, she, the, infer- the, the reason that's important is because I think he was able to get out of her that there's a bunch of Chinese businessmen, their high rollers, always there. Uh-huh. And that led him to contact his 
uh, whoever he's got in the FAA to pull flight records and find out that these guys came out here 38 times. Yep. The other thing that they dropped is that this cocktail waitress somehow has the sixth sense to identify that he is thinking about someone else. Which yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you detect that in someone that you're having sex with. Well, when he started shouting Rachel, Rachel, Rachel in the middle of it, it was a little obvious. That's probably a dead giveaway. You're right. You're right. Um, so then Frank sends Stamper out to Wu Fang because they figure out that he is the guy, the guy who's you know marshalling these junkets out here to uh, give you know because that's ultimately how Lanigan's getting the money from these uh, Chinese guys are blowing millions of dollars at a time. Um, Spang tries to woo, uh, Stamper with some prostitutes or escorts that he sends to his room. He doesn't want anything, uh, yeah. of it. So. And it's because he's obviously hooked on Rachel because he immediately then well, calls see, her. Because we had a little debate because I was like, you know, maybe, because I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was like, well, maybe he just doesn't want to be in the Fang, although I don't know that accepting prostitutes at this level would be, that's just like someone offers you a water bottle. <laughs> Here's a water bottle. I guess so, sure. Now you owe me political favors. I mean, this is just <laughs> like kind of expected. And I'm like, I don't, who writes this shit? Like frustrated, lonely Hollywood writers because, like I've been lovesick but outside of the framework of a formal relationship in which I've had a def- defined it with another woman to say we don't fuck other people, uh. I would fuck these <laughs> prostitutes <laughs> if they were offered to me. It would be rude not to, Jim. Sure, sure. And and Feng does take it as a, a little bit of an insult, right? I mean – Well, no. Actually, in, in Chinese culture, it's apparently – uh, polite to turn down the first offer so uh, maybe that's what he thought he, well, was he, doing. he had two off well he offered him on the path and then he offered him so i i, I feel like oh it was, okay um i mean because then yeah i mean you're still gonna be lovesick but might as well be lovesick and getting laid as <laughs> is my philosophy i don't i guess so, so yeah. i was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and then you're like no no he's in the Ra- uh rachel sure enough he looks at a painting of a guy fishing off a cliff uh-huh. and he gets hooked on the rachel Bait. Yeah, he does. And he calls her up immediately. And and I was going to say, like I said, while he was dialing the number, if this is a voicemail that he is leaving, it's even worse. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, of course, it turned out to be a voicemail. That's, yeah. So totally hook, line, and sinker there. He's on to Rachel big time. Um, is Rachel going to be able to use this to win her freedom, I hope? God, I hope so. Because it, she can't love him at this point, unless there's some kind of weird Stockholm Syndrome going on. Maybe, but yeah, you're right. That's That would be pushing it too far for me. So, the surprising thing, because if you can follow the twists and turns, the, the, the main thrust of this uh, season has been this trade dispute. Between yeah. the Chinese and the Americans. And the last time uh, we revisited this issue, Tusk wants his refinery for rare earth materials. Fang wants the uh, uh, wants them to keep the World Trade Organization suit uh, to um, stop currency manipulation. That's yeah. what he wants. Continue that suit. And the president wanted his big thing that he got so pissed that Frank wasn't able to deliver is the bridge. He uh-huh. needs this bridge 
Yeah, Port Jefferson Bridge. I, I don't know what the bridge is all about. And how that has anything to do with the Chinese. Yeah. I I can't I, – I don't know. But it, it's a MacGuffin. It's like the golden suitcase in Pulp Fiction. No one gives a shit. Sure. Um, so Stamper says, okay, well, we, we got to do that. And also Fang was insistent that you need to deliver the bridge before I stop the junkets, which means I'm going to stop these rich Chinese men from going over there and lying in Lanigan's pocket so he can't help the opponent. That's actually smart of Frank because he's cutting Lanigan's legs out from underneath him mm-hmm. while he's also trying to offer him a sweetheart deal. So yeah. it's like he's got the carrot and stick already ready to go. Um, but what I don't get is Doug described this as tricky. How in the hell is something that the president wants to do to deliver going to be tricky? So I I don't quite understand that. The only thing I can come up with is the idea that a few episodes ago we saw that Feng was maybe not completely in bed with the Chinese government themselves. And maybe there's some influence that needs to be wielded there mm-hmm. uh, in order to complete this project. I really don't know. It just seems like. That should be a no-brainer. All right, we give you the bridge. You will stop the ad money. That's it. Which will probably send – that's probably going to be enough to – although is – Tusk isn't directly giving these guys money either. Although he is because Frank's like, you know, when this report comes out, when the FEC filings are complete, Mm -hmm. it's going to be all there and anyone with a laptop can read it. So. I, I I'm still I feel like we're still missing something in this mm-hmm. convoluted machinery that's converting cash into pl- political ads. Yeah, is the money coming from Tusk to Fang and then to the casino? Like, yeah, I mean, to a billionaire, twenty five to a fifth. It was someone with fifty billion dollars. Twenty five million is roughly like us blowing five hundred dollars on something. Yeah, maybe maybe even less. I mean, it's 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 <laughs> it's real money. But uh, it's no, it's it's not something that you think twice about spending on something, especially sure. it's going to get you something that you want. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I but I, I still feel like I'm missing something because there's some direct connection to the te- to te- to tusk, mm-hmm. and I mean that's the other big revelation that um, that 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 frank realized that this lanigan guy is stacking congress with is trying to stack it against the republicans that he's been working with them for years to stack it in the democrats and frank never thought twice about why the money is coming and where the money is coming from sure now that the money is shifting to the other side of the table he's like oh shit but okay so basically he had some vendetta that he was carrying out against a Republican for the last 10 years, and that's why the money was coming in? Or mm, I don't know that. Or what is it's... stacking the deck as far as the Democrats mean there? Um, the only thing I can think of is he also has been this president's mentor, so he's been working for him, and he also wanted a favorable Congress to support him so he can get his shit done. So he's doing the same thing Which that is why, Frank was and, doing and, with and getting people you got to remember, his... Tusk has been doing this – for years. Yeah, a and decade. He, and he's the one that said that, uh, you know, had to try to keep Frank in the, the house that uh, for all last season, which started all this shit. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, so we don't know exactly uh, what's going on. Or we, and I think we got the broad strokes, but there's still a couple fine yeah. details. And I'm not sure if we just missed it or as is House of Cards want, we will just 
kind of store this information in the back of our mind for use later. Yeah, well, I know the the thing that uh, Stamper says to Frank at the very end about it being tricky, we're obviously going to learn more about that because we learned nothing about it this episode. Some, like a couple episodes ago, um, Connor sent that uh, dark-haired reporter whose name is uh, Isla? Yeah, A-Y-L-A. Saeed? Uh, Isla, Ayla, I don't know how you say it. Um, anyway, he sicked her on this uh, um, story about the Chinese investors and their relationship with Fang and Tusk. And several episodes later, this starts to bear fruit. She's starting to pull these connections. Now, this is kind of like a uh, riderless horse at this point. Uh-huh. Because... Because <laughs> he's out. Yeah, Colin's checked out. He doesn't give a shit anymore. He's gone to work for Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this Which I, I thought was just a cool little name drop. Right. Um, and that... Man, this is wheels within a wheels. So, I, I, I feel like we've covered everything about the political machinations except for... There's two other plots. One is the Walkers and the uh, Franks. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. the Walkers and the uh, uh, Underwoods. Yeah, yeah. There's two halves together. of that, right? There's the the male half and the female half. They right. kind of are paired off in these episodes. And right. Frank is really trying to endear himself to the president as a friend now and a confidant, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's working. I mean, the punching bag at the very beginning, he kind of, you know, changes the tide of their relationship because at the very beginning frank was getting dressed down by the president yeah uh in a pretty dramatic way yeah uh so he gave him the gift he invited him over to check out his miniatures and all this stuff and kind of gave him some advice they sat in the chairs looking at pictures uh pondering dropping the bomb on people (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i will say (laughs) this this president is like a lightweight and he's kind of boring, and the actor is—I don't—doesn't seem like to have the charisma to pull off what he's trying to pull off. Hmm. But okay. if they ever reboot Star Trek: The Next Generation, <laughs> this guy's got to play Data. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He's like a fucking younger version of Brent Sp- Spiner from even back in his Next Generation days. No, he he's not it. younger than Brent Spiner I'm was. I'm telling in Next Gen. you. I'm telling you, or at least of an age. Yes, yes, he's about you the could, same age. You could get 20 years out of this guy playing Data for sure. Put enough makeup on him. Yeah. In fact, fuck that. If they just want to start making Next Generation movies right now, there like you go. With old ass Picard and old ass Riker. Sure. Cast this guy's Data. He will not miss a beat. <laughs> Why couldn't they cast Brent Spiner as Data? Because he's too. He won't do it. He actually said the last oh. time that he doesn't want to do it anymore because he's he's aged out of the role. Okay. Data shouldn't age. Whatever. This is Obviously. not the next generation cast. Well, it could be. <laughs> it shouldn't be. House of the next generation. All right. Um, so, yeah, Frank is trying to endear himself to the president and, and make himself the Tusk that Tusk used to be. Uh, now, the other side of that is Claire is just uh, serving uh, – it's funny because they made this little joke. This is one of the things – and we, we're not doing a very good job. I'm, I'm putting these in my notes, but we're not doing a very good job of covering these on the instant cast. That will be for the full cast. Mm-hmm. But one of the little in, the inside jokes I saw is that when she asked Frank what they should serve for food, he says cyanide. <laughs> and she said, oh, I, can, I, I was actually going to do that for dessert. And that's and they exact, roll out the pie. It, which is in between the, the yep. main course and dessert is when she starts you know, starting this shit with uh, – the, the vice president. Yeah, it's the poison pill in the relationship, right? Yeah, or the president's wife. He's, you know, it's like, uh-huh. oh, look at how close me and Frank are. Uh, and we uh, get to jog together, and I make cool toy soldiers, and we're and, so supportive. And, and she and, says it's because we're so honest with each other and force him to talk about the things 
that he doesn't want to talk about, right? Yes. Uh, which leads to a conversation in the car and all that stuff. She's very clearly trying to break up the president and the first lady, and I don't necessarily understand exactly why that's her agenda. Well, I think it serves two purposes. One, it serves to make Claire, you know, in in good with the vi- with the first lady. Okay, that I see. When they start having marriage problems, he, you know, Frank's laying the framework for some trust and some friendly, like you know, bro conversations. The, mm-hmm. the president is probably going to lean on him for advice because you know you're you and your wife seem to have shit figured out. Uh-huh. So I feel like this is a ploy to deepen their friendship and. I guess just by spending a chip, which is Christina, uh-huh. which at this point I f- don't know that uh, they need her anymore. Because at, at first when the White House was kind of antagonistic with them or at least wasn't very open with them, they needed somebody on the inside to give him information about uh, you know, his schedule and all that. I don't know that they need yeah. that anymore. No, I, I don't think they do. I mean <laughs> Frank being the vice president is a, a pretty big deal and he's got access to a lot. Um, he's mentioned the president's ears multiple times in this episode and before. Um, yeah, so th- he's get, he's getting quite a collect, uh, impressive collection of anatomy. He's got like three tusks uh, and two presidential ears. A whole bunch ears. of tea bags, tons of tons tea bags. Of tea bags for days, man. His trophies <laughs> just line after line of tea bags. Uh, do you believe for a second, for even a second, that Frank could keep up with Claire running? Uh, Claire has been running every day of her life for as long as we've seen her. They're both smokers. That's a wild card. Sure, but occasional smokers. But Frank, look at Frank. He's much more out of shape than she is. Mm. Far more. Yeah, and rowing does not help you that much with running. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think he's got like a runner's build. But I think that's. I first of all. Do you think that's for real? I guess he did He did catch up with her, but maybe she he could did. just be sandbagging and she could just be flattering his ego in front of the president to, you know, as I a don't know. way to play. It's, it, that's, is that her equivalent of running his, her fingers through her, his hair? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I hadn't thought about it that way. I, like I if do she know... really tried, she could probably outwalk him, well, outrun him. The first time they go running, um, they end the episode on that and they're out running. And then when they come back the next episode, they're still running. Um, they come up to the camera, they kind of stop and they take off again. And then it shows him kind of running ahead of her. Like there's a side shot with profiles of both of them mm-hmm. and she lags behind and he moves ahead. And I thought that was symbolic at the time. It may have been even more than just symbolic. It may have been exactly what we're seeing here. Right. Like he is actually this phenomenal runner and I don't know how that's possible, but whatever, that doesn't matter. Uh, why don't we talk about Remy and Jackie very briefly? Cause they are back at it. Yes, they are. Uh, as I think you you predicted they would be. Uh, is Remy manipulating her? I think so. I think Remy is very manipulative. Again, this foreshadowing of her, you know, you learned a lot from, from Frank. You're a lot like Frank. This mm-hmm. seems... I mean, I don't know. He could be entirely sincere, uh, but he also could be trying to manipulate the shit out of her, and he's clearly capable of anything because he's got this complex... <laughs> uh-huh. Single, double, triple agent thing going on, Seth. That I keep flipping back and forth about whether, which is great. It's that's what you want. Yeah, I, the way they're playing this, I have no idea who his loyalties really are. Mm-hmm. I want to say that, you know, the preponderance of evidence is that he's working for Remy still. Sure, because this is the long con. But 
and, I, and revealing that he's working for Remy actually, and and that he, and saying that he will instead work for Frank actually gets him in closer with Frank, which benefits Remy more. It's but this could be a ploy. But why lie to Remy about the abortion thing? Because he knows huh. is, is if he gives that to Remy, he'll go ahead and run with it, and he knows that's not enough. That he's Maybe. trying to get in so he can really get the blade sunk deep, and he he's he's such a professional hitman that he doesn't even trust his employer uh, to to manage their end of the operation. So he's keeping everything to the vest until he really feels like he's got that again blade sunken deep. It could be, especially with his comment about not getting half pay for a half done job. Right. Maybe he wants to finish this job before but, he takes it to But on the other hand, Remy. he could be refusing to take the money because he has switched allegiances. <laughs> yes, he very well could be. And he is uh, he is trying to protect the under, Underwoods because he does want to get uh, into a power position himself, which would make him – it's an interesting contrast between him and Remy because Remy is the guy who didn't appreciate power and went for money, mm-hmm. as Frank lamented in the first – uh, season and if Colin is the double agent, yeah. then he is a guy who skews money for power. Yeah, and you have Frank and Remy both offering those two things to him. Uh, Frank is offering the power, and if that's what he's after, that's what he'll probably take. Would make Seth smart too because he's using Remy to eliminate things like Colin from the equation yeah. in a very slick way, just um, like Frank would do. And Frank says he sees a lot of that in yeah. Seth. But that also means he's a scheming backstabber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a double-edged sword here. I'm starting to sound like Fazzini from uh, uh, Princess Bride. Shit, you've never seen that movie. No, I haven't. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Land Wars in Asia and all that stuff. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Uh, what have we What? what have I we really think left? that's about it. Okay. We, we went through basically everything. We did not talk about the scene where Lanigan just devastates Frank. Yeah. Um, that was an impressive scene. I don't know that I have seen anyone take Frank down in quite that well impressive of a way. With just utter contempt from the jump. Uh-huh. And we're talking about it off cast. And number one, I'm really kind of don't know how I feel about this. Uh, am I going to am I rooting for a white Washingtonian to defeat a Indian from the Midwest? <laughs> Unfortunately, I think you are supposed to at this point because Frank is like it or not the hero of this story. He's the guy that we're supposed to be following and I guess rooting for, even though he's kind of a horrible person. Yeah, and the thing is, I love how throughout the episode. Um, we're seeing how Frank has zero respect for for uh, what is uh, Lanigan's first name? Do Don, we, Don Dan? Yeah, it's Don, or maybe it's Dan. Don. He has zero uh, respect for him because when he's talking to Stamper, he refers to him as the Indian. <laughs> yeah, bring yeah. the Indian to DC in his little text messages. Yeah. yeah, and the you know the leading through the back that very well could be standard procedure, but uh-huh. everything about this was rubbing. Landing in the wrong way, and I feel like the episode did a lot to kind of show the underlying contempt that he has for this small-time businessman, you know, yeah. casino owner huckster. And it seems like sure. Frank is putting is, is and, and man, this guy didn't want to hear any of it. Like he was saying, "Hey, I've got the pride, and I could do the gifts, and I could do that." And he's like, "You can't give me all I care about is money." And you can't give me more than Tuscan. Yeah, Frank digs his own grave there because he says, I know you're a businessman. And 
I, you know, no profits are the first thing on your mind. He digs his own grave because Tusk can easily give him more money uh, than than Frank can. And when he said, "I I want money, not beads." Oh, oh yeah, shit. yeah. That was that was fucking rad. Yeah, that was a great scene. The, there were a few great scenes. What about Freddy? We haven't talked about Freddy's uh, ventures. Well, I in feel this like episode. we gave him we we gave him. Uh, his due in the in the intro of the podcast. <laughs> in the intro, but let's talk about it. So he's going to be franchising, potentially. Yeah. Uh, getting his own line of barbecue sauces. I, I think that's an interesting development. And it, it all comes from this one reporter who interviewed him because he was the vice president's, you know, secret spot uh, for ribs. I also think that this is going to be, uh, finally, this is going to be Frank repaying him. Because he's going to oh, take yeah. the contract and he's going to, and, and like Frank's going to unleash like one of the best business lawyers in D.C. on it and like set Freddie up in style. That'd be nice. I think do, that'd be really cool. Do you think it's possible that this uh, suited up business guy who comes in here off waving money around has any ulterior motives? Or is he just a straight up business guy who's looking to franchise Ted, uh, Freddie's barbecue? I don't know. I mean, it, it could be that. I think that's at some point I want to be like enough. <laughs> you know yeah not everybody has to be a swindler here right like what's the what is he trying to do here he's trying to <laughs> destroy his favorite barbecue shop that he likes to eat at <laughs> it's tusk god damn it i mean yeah yeah it's like you won't you gonna serve me ice iced tea i'll crush you like a bug <laughs> um yeah uh i don't know i don't think there's anything crazy there but i don't see where that goes unless uh yeah frank gets involved hmm. so somehow so another, uh, I bet I, I love Freddie. Uh, I love Freddie's foul mouth, even in front of the president. Foul mouth. He will drop a fuck bomb anywhere. And uh, you know, uh, Reggie Cathy is a wire vet, so you gotta love him there. Uh, great yeah, yeah. voice, great voice, fantastic. Um, and great foul mouth language. I really, <laughs> I would love to see. I think my my number one thing I'm rooting for is for him to get. This for for, for Freddie to get filthy fucking rich off his barbecue joint. Okay, cool. So. Happy ending for somebody because there aren't very many in this show. Indeed. So that's it for our instant take. But starting next week, we'll be doing a longer, more in-depth weekly cast. For House of Cards, be sure to send us your thoughts and feedback to houseofcards at baldmove.com, and we just might read it on air. If you've enjoyed our show, please help us get our new House of Cards podcast launched in style by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. You can also support us by using our Amazon affiliate link when you shop online. Just go to amazon.baldmove.com, and we'll get a tiny cut of Amazon's profits from whatever you buy on that session. Best of all, it costs you nothing. Be sure to tell your friends, family, and coworkers about Bald Move. Also, check out our website for all our other television coverage for Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and Downton Abbey, and all of our general pop culture casts like Personal Arrogance and The Because Show. Keep up with the latest on Twitter at Bald Move and on Facebook.com slash Bald Move. See you next episode.